We turn to the Acts of the Apostles again this week, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Last Sunday morning, if you were with us, perhaps you remember we read from this same book, but we were in chapter 1. The part we read reminded us that these earliest of the disciples of Jesus were staying together and praying together. They experienced his last appearance and his ascension, and they were praying and staying together as a group of disciples waiting on the promised Holy Spirit. Well, today we read that this power has now come upon them. But all of these stories about the earliest disciples drive home the point that Christianity is definitely a relational, community-oriented religion. You hear it so clearly in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They were still together. They were bound together by their experience of Jesus Christ, believing that God had revealed to them divine love in a fresh way and that they were called to continue to spread the word to others. So they were there together as a community. John Wesley reminds the early Methodist believers of the same thing when he says that, the church of Jesus Christ knows no religion but social, no holiness or practice but social holiness. Wesley was reminding these who were following him that their Christian faith was not a solo journey, but they needed to be connected to other Christians. During this season of COVID-19, we need to make sure we stay connected with other Christians. That's why soon after this all began and the Safer at Home directives began to come out, we established the Boston Avenue Buddy Program. We put out the word best we could that anybody that needed a pen pal or a call or somehow needed to 
stay in touch with the church or with other Christians, we would assign them a buddy so that they would have that connection. If you need that connection, let us know. We'll connect you with someone here that's a part of the Boston Avenue Church family so that you won't be or feel as isolated as you might otherwise. It's so important that we stay connected all the time in our Christian journey, particularly though in these times where we're being pushed apart by what's important to stay safe and yet isolates us in some ways. So contact us if you need a buddy or we could help you with that. Well, the story moves on and Verse 2, right after it tells us they were all together, then it says, And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And then over in verse 6 it says, And at this sound the crowd gathered. As I read that and thought about it this week, I began to wonder, maybe rather than a loud sound of a rushing wind, which you can hear in Oklahoma so often, maybe what is better for us to think about is this sound of silence, of empty churches, of being at home alone. Maybe the sound of silence in our time can get our attention. And maybe we can use that time of silence to pay attention to God. I began to wonder, could God use us now to speak to the people looking for help in these surprising times? I began to wonder, could God help us help those who are fighting fear and anxiety and stress? Could we be those who provide faith in the face of fear for those we know and maybe even those we do not know? Could we offer an understanding of Christianity that is really encouraging and helpful in these days? There's so many different Christian leaders speaking out. Some of them are saying that somehow God's just going to make this virus disappear. Others are saying God sent it because somehow we have all entered into a group or corporate sin, even though they don't agree on what sin that might be. Others have said Oh, this is predicted in the Bible. These are the last days of our existence. I wouldn't subscribe to any of those interpretations of what's going on in our time. Maybe it would be helpful if we reaffirm what we believe about God, that God is not so fickle or erratic, that God really is with us. God is not attacking us or punishing us, but God is with us in a comforting and strengthening way that God is with us and strengthens us for the journey, strengthens us with God's love so that we might love others. Perhaps it would be helpful to remind people, surely God is not less loving and kind than Jesus who was there always in the stories we read about him, helping others, healing others who were brokenhearted or marginalized or overlooked. Surely God is not doing something contrary to the revelation of the divine character through Jesus Christ. I've put this in your outline, that God in our text today is not punishing people, but giving extraordinary gifts to these regular disciples, these followers of Jesus, so that everybody 
might be saved so that everyone might hear this good news of God's love for us come to earth through Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 6 again. I want us to pay attention here. Luke, the author of this book, writes it like this. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. What I want us to notice is that what God is doing here is consistent with what God has done through Christ in revealing God's love to us. What is God's intent? It is to reach all the people, all of God's children, and to build us into a community of love that can live together in peace and unity and harmony. That's God's goal. That's God's intent for us. He revealed it in Christ, and He's working with the power of the Holy Spirit through these disciples to reveal it to these people who have come to Jerusalem from all around that area. But some of you are thinking, that's too big a goal. We're never going to live all together in peace and harmony and unity. But maybe there's a clue in the text that helps us see how this might happen. I think it's in verse 4. Listen to that verse again. All of them, talking about these earliest disciples, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other language, languages as the Spirit gave them ability. I tried to imagine these first disciples who had this experience and that morning I wonder, did they wake up and think, you know what? I'm going to go speak to somebody about Christ in a language I do not know. I don't think they were thinking that. I think this was as unexpected for them as it is for us who read it. I think if you would have asked them that morning if this could happen, they would say, that's impossible. That will never happen. We're all Galileans. But the difference is, Luke tells us as he writes this in that fourth verse, is that something happened. It's like the light switch was turned on and the power surged when the Holy Spirit came to them. It filled all of them and it gave them the ability to speak to others about Christ. The key here, they did not do it on their own. They did it with God's help as the Spirit gave them ability. Have you ever had that experience where something happened in your life that you had said before, that will never happen, that's impossible? I think many of us have had those kind of surprising blessings and gifts and experiences. I read this week an excerpt from Mitch Albom's most recent book. You may know his name. He became became very well known after he published his bestseller, Tuesdays with Maury. He's published a number of other bestsellers. Now he's just recently released a book called Finding Chica. Chica is the name of a young girl. He says this all started back in 2010. There had been an earthquake in Haiti. He lived in Detroit, Michigan, one of the hometown Pastors there called him and said, Mitch, we need your help. Could you help us with this orphanage that needs some assistance after the earthquake? Mitch said, I'll see what I can do. 
He began to get involved before long. He became very involved and took over the operations of the orphanage. Chica, this little girl, had been born three days before the earthquake hit. Later on, her mother died. She was left without a home, without family. She ended up at the orphanage. They took her in. They began to take care of her. Then she began to have some physical problems, and she was diagnosed with a rare brain tumor. The doctors there did not really know how to treat it. Mitch Album and his wife, Janine, decided to bring Chica back to the United States with them and bring her into their home. Here they are now, two people in their late 50s, never having had children of their own, adopting this young girl and helping her look to seek medical care that might save her life. I want to read to you a little bit about what Album writes in his book about all of this. He says, when I was younger, I was afraid of becoming a father. I worried that I wouldn't give it proper time and I'd wind up being a bad dad also to be totally honest I thought it would hinder my career I was advancing fast and wanted to keep up that pace but he says when they had this opportunity they decided to bring little Chica to the United States and to live in their own home her prognosis without help was to live three, four, maybe five months. She survived for two more years, but still lost her life to that tumor. Mitch Album reflects in the book as if he's talking to her now after, his, after her death. He writes, The most precious thing you can give someone is your time chica because you can never get it back when you don't think about getting it back you've given it in love i learned that from you janine says here we were parents now in grandparents bodies but she and Mitch say it changed their lives for the good. I think God was at work in the pastor when he called Mitch. And in the hearts of Mitch and Janine Album when they opened their hearts and their lives to all these orphans in need and especially this one child. I think God was at work in them, loving them and helping them find this ability to parent that they had not exhibited before in loving this young girl and helping this orphanage who had so many youngsters in it that needed help. The passage today reveals this great good news that God opens doors that we cannot even see or imagine. This can be true for any one of us, especially in these days of COVID-19. It's bringing depression on. The articles I'm reading say increased mental health obstacles for so many. 
For some, life just looks darker and darker. The economy is bad. Maybe someone's lost a job. Maybe their living circumstances where they're stuck right now are not ideal or even worse or violent and dangerous. But this passage says, even when we can't see a way out, even when it's too dark or too bleak, God can see a way out. God can open a door that we cannot see, a door we cannot even imagine. What good news this passage reveals to us about who God is and what God can do in our lives. God can open a door for you and for me, often in a surprising and unexpected way, often in an experience where if we were asked before, could that happen, we would say it's impossible. It can never happen. So easy to be skeptical of a dream, of a vision like the Bible presents, of a community of love where people love one another and all of our diversity and with all of our frailties and we're able to find a way through Christ to live in peace and harmony and unity together. There's a final insight here that I want to make sure that we don't miss. I want us to look at one more piece before we stop this morning. Because this passage shows us that the people who the disciples were able to reach were people coming toward them, right? What the passage says is there's this loud sound. And then those people who are interested enough or curious enough or bold enough to move toward the sound are the ones that hear later in chapter 2, Peter speaking of God being at work in the world for our good. I think, especially in these days, that people are looking for a positive, encouraging faith. They're looking for hope. They're looking for people who can help. They're looking for people of faith, is what I would say. Perhaps we could be those people for others. I was thinking about who is coming toward us. Well, there are people coming who need hope, who need a church home, who need a community, who need a network of support and encouragement. We can be that community for those people we don't even know. They may call us. We may call them. They may register their attendance. They may know somebody that's already a part of our congregation who invites them in. We can help them through all kinds of small groups that we have here. There's so many ways to get involved. Oh, right now it looks so bleak, but we will open again. We will be back together. We'll worship as we have done before. We'll have choir practice. We'll have Bible studies. We'll have Sunday school classes where we can be together and nurture one another on our spiritual journey. I'm thinking who's coming toward us? In the last 12 months, half or more of the people who have come to our church have told us specifically they have come here because of our stance on inclusion, that we're willing to welcome anybody and everybody, and particularly they mention that we are open and welcoming and inclusive and affirming of people who identify in the LGBTQ plus community. We want to be a vehicle of God's love. And when people are coming toward us, we want to step toward them and offer them the faith that we have come to know and to receive the gifts of their faith that they can share in this community as they join us. We are all better off when we join together in the family of Christ. So, 
brings us to the end here. I want you to think about your own life. Who is coming toward you? Who is in your sphere of influence? Who do you know that's having a difficult time that may need an encouraging word, may need an invitation to watch worship, may need some notice, look on Facebook here or check this website there. There are resources for you. There's a phone number you can call if you need to talk to a pastor. You can be those people that share that with others and bring them into the family of faith. Who is coming toward you? But beware as you think of that. God may just open a door that you have never seen or imagined before. Amen. And thanks be to God.